Welcome to Building Texas with Justin McKenzie and Summer Babarak. Sponsored by the Bernie Kendall County Economic Development Corporation and Das Greenhouse. And now, here's your host, Justin McKenzie. Welcome to Building Texas. My name is Justin McKenzie and I'm here with Summer, Summer Babarak. Summer, how have you been? I've been good. How about you? I feel like I've been traveling. I haven't gotten to see you much. How have you been? You've been traveling a lot. You've had some success over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's been a great month and a half, I'd say. Last six weeks been good to Hera. Been traveling, been pitching, won a pitch contest, hopefully win another one this week. When's that one happening this week? Thursday? Yes, yeah, so Thursday night we'll pitch in Houston at the ION with the Ignite Accelerator pitch finale. There'll be six amazing finalists there. Really looking forward to it. It's on the heels of the Rice event, which is the Texas Venture uh, Forum that they hold there every year. So I'm excited. So when Summer goes out and does all of this pitching at places like the ION, I think it's a great way to make Bernie visible. You tell the Central Texas story. They all know you're from the San Antonio area more than likely, but I appreciate that you always throw in Bernie where you can. Absolutely. It's uh, it's my fun thing I get to do to put Bernie on a sheet where somebody might have to introduce me and say where I'm from because then inevitably they mess that up, and it's not like my name's easy anyway. It's a fun little treat. I give MCs everywhere. We're here with Dr. Macaluso today, and, and he was an early – ideator of the angel network and one of our early visions was if a company comes here and they can pronounce bernie then we've done our job correct you don't want to say bo earn which i've heard many times i'm like no it's not born it's bernie the angel network has really come a long way thanks to you justin as i told you early on when we talked about it i don't want to run anything anymore i'm too old for all that and you were gracious enough to jump into the fire and do that. But I'm just a supporter, cheerleader. I think we're going to learn over the next few minutes that you're more than a supporter and cheerleader in everything that we're trying to do here in the Hill Country. And I, I, I will share our origin story and how we met through the IC Squared program and the EDC. But tell the listeners, who is Dr. Mack and, and how would they know your full name? <sighs> Dr. Joseph Nicholas Macaluso, Jr. There you go. Full name. I am just a guy who came to Bernie eight, almost 18 years ago after coming here many times before over the preceding 20 years since the 80s. My brother-in-law lives here, his wife, my two nieces, great nieces, great nephews. My mother-in-law came here after uh, my father-in-law died from Gulfport, Mississippi. And so I was very familiar with this area. And My dad was in the military, so I came to San Antonio many times to Fort Sam as a kid. So I had my Alamo hat and my Avi Crockett coonskin cap fighting off the uh, Santa Ana, the invaders, so to speak. Bernie was just a natural place for us to come. It was, we didn't want to be in San Antonio. We didn't want to be in a big city. And at the time we came here, it was really wonderful. And it's still wonderful. It's just changed, as everybody knows. But And prior to Bernie, your career was fully in New Orleans. In New Orleans, but my extracurricular career was really all over. Well, what is your extra? What was your initial career? I trained in. Uh, I went to medical school at LSU and trained there at the Charity Hospital in New Orleans, which at that time, prior to Hurricane Katrina, when it closed, was the largest hospital in the country, three thousand beds, and I did general surgery training and transplant, and then I did a, a full residency in adult and pediatric urology and trained there and. Eventually went into practice and over time became a managing partner of what at that time was one of the largest groups in the Gulf South. We had four offices and ten do- nine or ten docs, I forget, nine or ten, I think, and 50 staff. And we were doing our own CME, our own level one, two, three research, teaching at both Tulane and LSU Medical School, training residents, 
And in addition to that, I segued into a lot of technology stuff by serendipity. I trained with one of the founders of modern tech extracorporeal therapy from Germany out at UCLA. And that was helped because my mother's family is German. I can speak German fairly well. Certainly if I'm there, I can. Not so well when I'm not practicing. And from that, it just segued into all these connections with the medical industry complex, if you will. And I worked as an advisor for many, 20 years for Boston Scientific, retained, doing all kinds of product development. AstraZeneca Pharmaceuticals doing all kinds of cancer research and socioeconomic research and many other startups. And because of that relationship, I got into startup evaluation because when Boston Scientific went public, they moved from internal R&D to external and they began acquiring smaller uh, companies and they needed people to evaluate them. And so I was one of the people they would send out to evaluate them. Now, would you say that with Boston Scientific doing that, I'd say that a lot of the industry does that now. They no longer do internal R&D, they acquire it. Would you say Boston Scientific was probably one of the first ones to move that direction? They definitely were, but there are others, of course, the big ones, Johnson, and many others. The thing that the big companies, whether it's pharma or tech, or really any medical company that has broad reach, both nationally, multi-state and multinational, is Salesforce. The biggest cost of any business at the end of the day is labor. And for a small startup to try to replicate a sales force in 50 states, much less multiple continents across Europe and Asia, it's almost impossible. So it's a win for both parties. Mm -hmm. The small company doesn't have to replicate that. Of course, they hopefully get a good return when they're acquired. And the big company just cherry-picking the technologies that fit their portfolio. Or in some cases, if they're what they consider a transformative technology, they'll even go outside of their quote-unquote niche, and they will say, well, we're going to buy that because that technology is going to change or that drug is going to change a lot of things. Understood. Now, when you say that you then, I want to go back to when you said you did startup evaluation. For our listeners, can you explain what that means exactly? Usually in any evaluation, the first thing is what, what are they doing that's of any interest, whether that's as an investor or if you're a company looking to acquire a technology so if the technology or the device or the drug or whatever it may be has an interest because it sol- potentially solves a problem that's not been solved and may have some market application, and at the end of the day, of course, the companies are looking for return on their investment. That's always true. That's the first thing you look at. But then once you start doing the evaluation, you really get into the detail. The things I look at mostly, and Summer, you know this, I've asked you these questions. <laughs> I look at who's the leadership of the team. What have they done? Have they done this before? Do they actually know what they're doing? Do they have a plan to go to market? Do they have a capitalization plan, independent of whether they're acquired? How are they going to raise money to get from point A to point B? And then most importantly, do they have an exit strategy? Because I'm always leery. If I meet a founder or a developer who says, I'm here to be the next Steve Jobs, the next Bill Gates, the next whatever, I'm like, thank you. I wish you luck and goodbye. (laughs) Because that's a long road. That's all about luck and right place and right time. And I don't have time. I'm too old for all that. So I should put my black turtlenecks away. Yeah, I think you should. Okay. You're listening to Building Texas on Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. Summer and I are joined by Dr. Macaluso today. And Dr. Mac, talking about your background and your history and where you've served, today I think you still serve LSU. I'm the longest serving member of the LSU Health Foundation Board, 32 years, which is, I may be coming to the end of my run, I think, but we've been through a lot. And... and Our origin story really goes back to how we were talking about the city of Bernie's growth, Kendall County's growth back in 2018 and 2019, and how do we make it sustainable? 
And and Summer was one of our first Angel Network uh, pitches that we saw, yep. a place you helped me with diligence. But it, it's come a long way. And today you serve the city on the city council. So can you talk a, re- a little bit about what was that research that UT was doing and how is that impacting where we are today? Quick segue. When I came on the council, without getting too much into the weeds here, I felt like we needed a pivot in terms of our economic development. I think a lot of the citizens did too. There was concern over just a focus on sales tax revenue generating businesses, big box. My view always was that the rim is 15 minutes, 20 minutes down I-10, if that, and if you want big box, it's there. I wanted to see Bernie create a different future. My view was, and having worked in a lot of areas where this had occurred, Technology businesses, 21st century technologies, which are clean, generally clean businesses, they're non-polluting, they don't necessarily use a lot of water, all the things, the issues are important to the whole country and to Bernie. They generally want to be near a big city, but not in a big city. So when I came on the council, most people don't realize I had to run four elections in five years. The first three were contested, lost one, the eventual mayor, Tim Handron, won the next two, and then my last election was non-contested. Bottom line is, I felt we needed to pivot. So when we came on, the EDC, Economic Development Corporation, has support from the county and the city. I felt the city needed to to pivot its direction. So as part of that, a council member was placed on the executive committee and the board of directors, which I was asked to be that person. And we moved to a, a different direction by bringing in, with a lot of just good luck and serendipity, IC Squared from UT up in Austin came in to do an evaluation for the city and the area on economic development. And what they they came up with really paralleled a lot of ways what I was in my mind, and I think many people were thinking about, to move us toward a technology-based focus away from just pure retail. And nothing wrong with retail. We love retail. City loves retail. County loves retail. But we didn't want to be that the only focus because my view was always that Bernie only had two futures. I realize that's a little black and white, but either we were going to be overrun and become a bedroom community solely of San Antonio, or we're going to create this own little technology hub, much like I've seen in other areas of the country where our city becomes like the headquarters for many of these innovative companies. And we came up with a focus on financial tech, on uh, health and biotech, and on agricultural tech, because we wanted to continue to connect to the agricultural roots of Kendall County. Now, in that conversation, we added female founders and some other focus, but we did that because we saw a community that's looking for a home, a community that's looking for someone that can plant a flag and say, this is where we can build and find community support. And I don't want to focus solely on Bernie, but I do want to talk about, when we come back from the break, really, how how are we doing this across the country? You come here from New Orleans, Summer, you're pitching across the country and seeing these tech communities, these modern companies build. And I want to bring it back after the break around how we're positioning for that going into the future. This is Justin McKenzie from Building Texas. Today's segment is brought to you by Das Greenhouse. Das Greenhouse is a business incubator launched here in Bernie to serve our local community. Das Greenhouse is a place where you can come to grow your idea. Our goal is to make Bernie accessible to people who are looking to grow a business, expand a business, or learn more about what's out there in their community and get involved. Visit us at dasgreenhouse.org or come visit us at 7 Upper Balconies Road, Bernie, Texas. Das Greenhouse.
You're listening to Building Texas on Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. Back here with Summer and Dr. Mack and diving into a conversation that really ties all of this together. And we named the show Building Texas because we didn't want to limit it to a local conversation. But a lot of what we do locally is an example of what's being done across the country. So before the break, you were talking about uh, your vision, why you ran for city council, and then the pivot of economic development. What drove that pivot and drove your interest in making that? Early on, I was concerned. I can say, can I say the B word? Sure. Bucky's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a knock on Bucky's. Wonderful business, nothing negative. But there was a lot of concern from myself and many others, but also throughout the, the community at large. That was perhaps not the way the city wanted to go or the county. And yes, Bucky's is coming. I don't want to stir that pot again. But they have worked with us. So be that as it may, that was one of the issues that definitely precipitated my interest. And then I was approached by two former city officials, one very liberal, one very conservative, which is interesting. That is interesting. Because local government, a lot of the issues that we see playing out in Washington, D.C., which I have dealt with, and with state capitals like Austin, are not local government issues. We're We're trying to make it safe, police, fire, move traffic, make it as, as amenable as we can for business owners and residents alike. And that's really a different focus than on some of the contentious issues that you constantly hear about on radio and the news, which mainly are in Washington, which really, they do impact us locally, but in a much more distant way. Right. So that was my focus. Now, as far as the, the city and the economic development, as COVID hit, that changed a lot. But you've heard me say this before, Justin. I work with another group, a multinational group called Coretsu, which is an investment group, very different format. In fact, this week, they've got things that I'm supposed to be on today. Yesterday was, I think, uh, Seattle. They do Seattle, Portland, Denver, Salt Lake City, Boise, et cetera. And the b- bottom line is that Texas has all that. Mm-hmm. If you do the Texas Triangle... Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Houston, College Station, Waco, et cetera. Texas has all that many times over, as much as any of these other areas we hear about in New England or the West Coast. It's just disjointed a little bit. And everybody's doing their own thing, which is good. That's a Texas thing, which mm-hmm. I, I appreciate. But a little more teamwork, and we could really do some, some things. Um, and the goal of that is not to change Texas. Mm-hmm. We're all here because we like Texas the way it is, but it is going to change whether we like it or not. So let's try to change it in a way that preserves what's good about Texas, but also puts us out in front of the 21st century economy. As a native Texan, I can't say I disagree. (laughs) Summer, it's interesting because I've heard you talk about similar concepts of organizing capital, organizing founders, or organized groups that are supporting founder groups, the, the funding a fund concept. Yeah, absolutely. Where are you seeing that be successful? Every, and you've heard me say this, there's hubs, right? And, and a lot of people think of Austin as a tech hub, right? Oh, there's a joke a long time ago, back when I was in, in college. And it was when we were, I was pitching a, a company that I was working with then. And they were like, oh, you're hardware. You, you must be San Antonio. And it was like, so what, you're software? So you must be Austin? I don't... <laughs> That just seems silly because hardware and software go together. Um, I, I see it being successful in certain areas on the coast. So one, I think, let's go to the West Coast, right? Because they've got a mix of everything. East Coast is pretty hard life science. West Coast, you've got a mix of tech and life science, and I think it's a good mix. I think San Diego is doing it really well. San Diego has 
numerous angel groups. They've got multiple venture capital funds and they've got great corporate headquarters of large players in the industries which they fund. But that's not where their manufacturing is. Their manufacturing is somewhere else. They're big, huge buildings where they're packaging and doing all of that stuff. That's somewhere else. San Diego is preserving San Diego. I think San Francisco tried to do it on the tech side. And I think they had the lock on it for a really long time until that bubble burst. And now we see things about that ecosystem that we don't like, or we wouldn't want to replicate. But one of the things that I think about a lot, bringing it back to Texas is when I drive down 130, going between here and my sister's house, just North of Austin, I think, oh dear God, we can't have these things. <laughs> these huge buildings, these warehouses, you see it when you go into Houston on I-10. I'm going to drive that way today and you hit Katy and my gosh, it's the warehouse The district. igloo building. In the- I'm telling you. And then these just massive buildings that are just enclosed and just monoliths. That's not what we want here. And mean, that could happen. You mean like the Elon Musk spaceship on the tollway outside of Austin? That Bless looks him. like a gigafactory. A gigafactory. <laughs> it looks like 10 Superdomes landed in the prairies. But you've, I've always said, when we, with the Angel Network and then with Dallas Greenhouse, when I meet with founders of these small companies, I always say, look, I hope you're successful. Whether we invest or not is a different issue. But I said, I hope you're successful. And what I want you to do, you build what you got to build. If you can build it in Kendall County and it fits Kendall County, fine. If you can't, build it wherever you want. But I want your headquarters in Bernie, Texas, to your point. Mm -hmm. Because that's where we can have our niche and try to preserve the natural environment and the things that people love about Bernie. Mm -hmm. Because if you start putting heavy manufacturing into an area, it it doesn't preserve it. It just doesn't. I agree. And San Antonio has been working on that a very long time. They have gone out there and said, we want your manufacturing jobs. We want Toyota to come here and build. That's fantastic. I agree. And they should. And we've got the labor force there to do it. And when your corporate office needs a place to put their executives, Bernie's right here to serve you. And we have the labor pool. And Justin, a large percentage of the population in Bernie and the immediate surrounding area are retirees, not necessarily old ones, like I'm not that old, but, <laughs> but folks who have a lot of experience as CEOs, CFOs, CMOs, just different mm-hmm. operational experiences, professional experiences, and they are looking to work as mentors, as advisors. And so for a startup community, it's great. And what I want to add real quick, BISD and Dr. Price and the, and the school board have done a wonderful job with the entrepreneurship program there, which we have embraced both through the Angel Network and I know Das Greenhouse has as well, getting interns in and so forth. And we've had some of these young people come pitch to the Angel Network and they're 16, 17, 18 years old and they get up in front of about 50 or 60 kind of old guys and gals and <laughs> relatively speaking. Not you, of course, Summer, not uh-huh. you. But we've got and three of those kids are on sabbatical from MIT right now. Yeah, and they're amazing. They, they, I mean, these pitches, I've been in a lot of pitches from a lot of people all around the all around the world, and they are amazing at that age. I think it's because they have no fear. They don't know how to be afraid yet. Oh, so. I don't know. I saw a few of them a little shaky at yeah. that, that pitch competition we did. But honestly, the value that gives you, I've talked about this a lot because pitching, it makes any founder anxious. I think if you care about it, you're going to get nervous. You're going to get anxious. And people have said, how did you get over it? How did you deal with it? How? I honestly take it back to when I was Miss Texas High School Rodeo. And you have to give a pitch. Yeehaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, you have I to. I didn't know that. Yeah, you have to give a two-minute speech, and you have to answer an impromptu question on stage, and you have to do an interview. There's seven different categories. That really primed me to understanding 
how do I deliver this? What content do you put in? And so I think that's what this program is doing for the kids here in And Bernie. knowing you, as I've come to know, I know you did not say, what do you want most? I want world peace. You didn't say I that. I didn't say world peace. No, the question they asked me was, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? And I said, I'd be a skunk. Ooh. Because mm-hmm. imagine the respect you'd get. You'd be beautiful, but at a distance. I'm a Monet. <laughs> <laughs> it calls into why we are doing this conversation we want to dive into all the ingredients we have in our community. The diversity that we can offer economically allows us to have a beautiful community. Bucky's will come in. It'll add a different portrait in our landscape here. But so will an AI company that nobody sees. Everybody, I'm proud to say this week, we're full at Dusk Greenhouse. Congrats. We're building awesome. more space, but it just calls that the demand was here. And I'm very happy to say the city of Bernie has been a huge supporter, and I'm glad to see that the county has also supported. Yeah, and the city's made a, a commitment to it. Is, and we'll go back and continue to fundraise, continue to build the opportunity, because that is what's attracting people. And, Summer, I think you'll love this if you haven't heard me say it already, that our number one referral is Facebook Moms Groups. Oh, that's right. People working at home, people wanting community, people starting a side business or really wanting to step out on their own coming out of they haven't been in the workforce for a couple of years and they're stepping back in Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial ecosystems have an opportunity to lift everyone in that way. The biggest mistake that many people make, regardless of whether they're in business or just running their home is they don't know how to manage money and they really don't understand how money works as a tool. It's just a tool. That's all it is. And if you know how to use it, you can use it for really good purposes and you know how to invest it properly. But if you don't know how to use it, generally you end up in trouble, too much debt, you overextend in the wrong place and you can't get out of it. And the reason that so many small businesses fail, in my opinion, is that reason. Now, sometimes it's just the wrong idea or the wrong location. I was at one time I owned some food businesses in New Orleans, coffee shops and restaurants and all. And that definitely can kill you if you're in the wrong location and the wrong thing. But you got to know how to manage the, the books. And I find that's an issue. And somewhere I've asked that. I ask people out when I do my startups, how much money do you have in the bank? What's on the pipeline? Who are you reaching out to? And mm-hmm. a lot of times founders don't have good answers for that. And when they don't, I get really antsy that I don't want to have that conversation any longer, which you had great answers. I can tell you right now how much money I have in the bank. <laughs> that's why I was impressed with you when I asked you that question about a year and a half ago. You told me exactly. I'm like, wow, that's a very honest answer because mm-hmm. it's got to be honest. It was not much at that point. <laughs> it was not much at that point. So where do you see the Texas Hill Country evolving in the future as we do continue this work? Well, one thing I'm proud of is that I was asked to be on the first leadership group for the Texas Hill Country Alliance. I think uh, Commissioner Weijin was also asked, but the only two people in Kendall County were, were she and myself. And it's a group of elected, mostly elected county judges, county commissioners, mayors, city council members, and some city managers, Fredericksburg and, and uh, different places, Castroville, all over the place. And I have been advocating that they're primarily focused on water resources and natural resources, which is extremely important. And I think you know me, I'm the tree guy. I'm constantly harping about trees and planting trees. And what I've been advocating for them is that Texas has, Texas as a state, the legislature has taken the one size fits all approach to when they do things. So they pass these bills that are somewhat more focused, I think, at Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, and Houston, but we're caught in the crossfire collateral damage. And so when people say, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? We're like, well, we can't. 
And my view is that the Hill Country would be well served to be in 18, I think it's 18 counties, 17. Depends on who you talk to. Some are 17, some are 18. It, those counties would be identified as a special interest region in Texas to give counties more control over development as well as cities so that we can preserve this very unique ecosystem that lives that's here. It's a very unique area. People who don't understand that, you know. So basically, that's something I'd like to see done, but that takes a lot of political maneuvering. And it, I, that needs a lot of young people like you guys, not some old guys like me. So, Well, I, I liked one of your comments earlier, elected official versus politician. And, and are you willing to dive into that? As, well, and as I, a, I don't mean that to say politicians in a derogatory sense, although I know many people could say that. I did not ever seek to be in elected office. I was urged and because I was retired and because I had the time and my children were grown, even though my oldest lives here and three of my grandkids are two blocks up the street, I felt I was a desire to serve because my medical career was cut short. As some of, I had some medical problems and, and, of course, Hurricane Katrina added to that significantly, very badly. I wanted to do something, and I said, okay, I'll do it. And as I mentioned, I lost my first election. I'm like, okay, I've been there, done that. I can put that <laughs> off my list. I ran for office and I lost. And then next thing you know, I was urged to do it again, and I did, and so here I am. But there's a difference, in my view, in someone, and I'm not faulting anyone for this, but there are people who, for politics, is a career. They run for city council, they run for mayor, they run for state senate, they run for governor, they run for United States Senate, and that's fine. We need those people. But I never viewed it as that. I have no higher aspiration at this point in my career. So I'm very content to be a, a representative of the people in the District 5 that I represent, as well as all the citizens of Bernie and Kendall County. And I view that as an elected official, not as a politician who's seeking offices. I never have taken a penny from anyone. Even to this day, I know you know this, when I go out to lunch with people, I insist on paying the bill because I don't want anybody to say, oh, he bought me a cup of coffee or he bought me a cinnamon roll somewhere. And that's just a personal thing. But obviously, if you were running for governor, United States Senate, you have to have funding. So that's a whole different animal. And so you have to take uh, contributions, which does change the dynamic considerably. Dr. Mack, it's been a pleasure to visit with you today. Thank you for taking us on your past history, how you got to Bernie, and how you're serving Bernie and serving Texas today. Thank you. I also have to mention my wife is a native Texan, so that's part of the reason I'm here also. That's your passport, in. That's your passport. That's my husband's passport. Thank you, Dr. Mack. Thank you, guys, very much. This is Justin McKenzie from Building Texas. Today's segment is brought to you by Das Greenhouse. Das Greenhouse is a business incubator launched here in Bernie to serve our local community. Das Greenhouse is a place where you can come to grow your idea. Our goal is to make Bernie accessible to people who are looking to grow a business, expand a business, or learn more about what's out there in their community and get involved. Visit us at dasgreenhouse.org or come visit us at 7 Upper Balconies Road, Bernie, Texas. Das Greenhouse.